I really believe, um, and I don't think, and I'm not an alarmist, I'm not doom and gloom, I'm not any of that, but I don't know um, if we understand or if our society actually understands the ramifications of what just happened in our government this week and in our nations. Um, and I have a couple of say, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. So let's just start in Second uh, Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 and read some scriptures and then we'll move on. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutals, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captive, uh, captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as James and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith. But they will progress no further, for their folly will be made manifest to all, as theirs was also. Verse 10. But you, Timothy, have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, and perseverance. Persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me, in Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Chapter 4 and verse 1. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who would judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort. With all long suffering and teaching. Verse 3. For time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. 
For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Verse 8, finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge will give me on that day and not only and not to me only, but to also all who have loved his appearing. How many know it's exciting to know that there will be a day when we will hear from a righteous judge? Amen. And it won't be the ruling that most are expecting. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you this morning. We pray for wisdom, clarity, and understanding. We receive Paul's admonition to live soberly in our day. To understand the times that we are in. But yet to keep our focus on what you have called us to do. To be attentive to your word and to live by it. To hold on to our faith and our convictions in Christ Jesus. To know beyond doubt and all reason that you are the hope of our salvation. To stand fixed and true on your word that never changes and will never fail. And to do and make full proof of our ministry and the gift and the calling that you have placed on each of our lives. Doing the work in evangelists and proclaiming your word whenever given opportunity. We give you praise today in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Please look with me at the cover of your outline. And I want to speak to you for a moment and, uh, and share a few things with you. Uh, because this Friday is uh, our day of independence. And we recognize that the 4th of July, the Declaration of Independence, our 237th year uh, since the Declaration of Independence. And uh, it was fun last night. We have uh, from our street on our cul-de-sac, a little bit elevated, but we can stand out there and they blow all the... If I had a neighbor about three blocks over who would just cut down this monstrous oak tree, I could actually see all the firework. But I see the ones that get above the tree, praise the Lord. But we were out there. It was too hot for us to stand out there for very long. But we watched a few of them blow up over the trees, and that's cool. I love the celebration of freedom. Amen. Amen. How many know that's what church is? Church is a celebration of freedom. It's where we come. It's where we find freedom and where we celebrate freedom. Where we can come bound and, and hindered by sin, held in bondage, held copy, held, held in slavery, and, and another ty- the tyrannical rule of an oppressing God of this world, but being set free by the God of heaven. Amen? And so we find freedom here. And that's awesome. And uh, we're to celebrate that. Um, and so I think it's, it, it is important that we go back and look at some of our history. I'm going to read the, I want to read the Declaration of Independence to you today. I want to read some quotes from our founding fathers. I think part of what has happened is that we have lost uh, some of our roots to our, our foundation and of our history. I think it's sad that in our public schools we don't teach history like we used to. In fact, we're, we're interjecting certain things in there, and there's a pitfall to that. Look at the cover of your outline. The day of having a convenient faith without living by convictions that are embodied in the Scripture is quickly fading into the sunset. 
Friday night, the young adults invited Pastor Sue and I to their barbecue. We went over, and, and Dwayne and the guys cooked a great deal. Dwayne did a great job barbecuing and smoking some meat. It was awesome. We just had a great time of fellowship, and I made this statement to them as we were sitting around after the meal on the patio out back. I just said, hey, guys, for you and for us, the day of convenient Christianity is over. In America, Christianity has been a convenience, not a conviction. Which is why sin is running rampant and righteousness is hiding in the corners. Because it's convenient to go to church. We go to church when it's convenient. We have our lifestyle and our walk with God is a convenient lifestyle. Amen. But that is changing. Believers will no longer have the luxury of a faith that requires no sacrifice, no service, or stand. The days of just religion without heartfelt conviction in a devoted relationship with God are gone in this country. Hear me very clearly today. If you do not, people do not understand what has transpired in our nation. And on the Declaration of it, we were just ruled and said that some of our laws were unconstitutional. Things happened. What we were told would take 30 days for part of the decision on Prop 8 to come back to our, our, our state and to be adjudicated further and be decided upon was overturned in less than 48 hours. And gay marriage is now taking place as we speak in California. And what will happen is, and what people don't understand, also Senator Dianne Feinstein and another senator from New York immediately introduced legislation on the Senate floor to make the whole embodiment, to the whole Divorce of, uh, Defense of Marriage Act unconstitutional, strike it down completely, thereby enforcing the rights of gay marriage on the rest of the 38 states who are sovereign states who have the right to set their own laws are now going to be being told by the federal government and being dictated by them. We're moving very slowly into a tyrannical yes. government. And the legislators, happened, the legislators fear nothing. We talked about it in the men's meeting this morning. And let me just say to you as this, and, and, and I'm going to say it as straight up and, and as brutally as I can this morning, is that it is the church's fault, not Solid Rock facing its fault. I'm not preaching to you. And part of what people understand, how many know when Jeremiah preached, he wasn't preaching to the few people that heard him talk? He was speaking to a nation. Uh, when, when the prophets speak, they, they weren't just talking to people that were in their audience. Amen. And so when you hear the word of God preach, don't take it personal and let it personally applies to you. If the word of God personally applies to you, then receive it and respond accordingly to whatever the conviction of the Holy Spirit is in your life. But don't get mad if it doesn't apply to you. And I found this out. Most of the time people get mad. It's because it does apply to you. So in the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, just repent. Amen. But in that, the church... Willie Brown told Dr. Phil Godot years ago, he says, the reason I don't listen to you pastors when we were uh, almost 15 years ago, when we were taking a, a firm stand and uh, Brother Lou Sheldon, we were in the Capitol down there. He says, I don't listen to you guys because the church is unorganized and it does not vote. And so what has just happened is that a less than 2% minority 
has been devoted to their cause, has financed their cause, has put their life on the line for their cause, has preached their gospel and infiltrated their doctrine and has sought out assignments in every major ruling gate of our cities and our nation and thereby 2% of our society has just changed the governing rule of our nation and redefined morality why a nation that declares itself to be 74% Christian has allowed 2% of paganists to turn over their nation. Because the church does not want to be confrontational. Because the mindset of this world is love everybody and God is love. And you have been coerced and you have been controlled and you have been brainwashed. And you have a secular mentality to a gospel. When Paul said to Timothy, you're going to be in a day and you're going to live in an hour when everything around you is in direct opposition. So convince, reprove, rebuke and exhort and declare, hold fast but people won't like me. That's right. And all who will live godly will suffer persecution. I don't like that. Okay, then get used to your daughter having a boy in the bathroom with her. Because there is legislature in the California. And what we don't understand is that sin doesn't stop with one compromise. How many found that you only had to sin once and that was good for the rest of your life? You know, you just wanted to have one drink, and so you had one beer, you know, one whatever, and it never led to alcoholism. You just smoked one joint, it only took one hit, whether you were Bill Clinton and never inhaled or not, it doesn't matter. But it never led to anything else. It never, no, people, no, no, no. It, 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 it never stopped, it never quits pushing, never quits advancing. Are you with me this morning? And so, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying that if you think life is going to stay the same, the people stood on the steps and said, hey, and this is not just a homosexual issue. This is a morality issue for our nation. When you think it's one issue, you miss the whole point. It doesn't matter what it is. Look at abortion. I heard a guy on the radio the other day who's of the Libertarian Party, and he said that the Republicans need to be more Libertarian because of this. Because we need to let go of abortion. It's a dead horse. It's a dying issue. And we shouldn't worry about babies being slaughtered in the womb anymore. We shouldn't be concerned about the fact we've just taken the age restrictions off of the day after pill. And your teenage daughter, you will, from right out, every one of you right here, my kids will never have sex. Do not live in a bubble of deception. Good kids make bad choices. Pastor Sue's greatest, one of her greatest lines. I love it. And parents forget it. But good kids make bad choices. Good kids make bad. My kids will never have sex out of marriage. I hope not. I hope they're the blessed children and the angels that you perceive they are through your rose-colored glasses. And that they never make a mistake and they just float as little cherubs everywhere they go throughout their whole life. It's awesome. I hope that is true. A beautiful little butterfly. Amen. And they just go through life. Amen. But how many know that probably will not be the case? But it means that if your daughter now thinks she's pregnant or she has sex and she's afraid that she's pregnant, she can go into any pharmacy, any place, and buy a day after pill and enact an abortion in her body and kill whatever life may have been conceived, possibly without any cause of any side effect. Without you, but you can't, she can't take an ash. I mean, know all the other things. She can't take an ash, can't do all the other stuff without 
the consent of a nurse without a, a letter from a doctor, all that stuff. But what I'm saying is, is that with this going on, when they stood on the steps of the, of the courthouse and they're saying, we will not stop until this is the law of the land and this is acceptable in all 50 states. So it isn't an effort to go, oh, that's a great victory. It's going to stop here. So immediately things are transpiring. And what I'm saying is, and, and I was on a pastor's call right after this. The next day there was a pastor's call and a, and, and a lawyer for the uh, uh, American uh, Defense Fund, um, ACL, yeah. 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 I can never remember all their initials. Anyway, I was on the conference call with him, but he's talking about it. He says, hey, this is not about gay marriage. That's not what this is about. This is about the removal of any voice that speaks against what they want to do in their life. And then our president made this statement. I will never ask a pastor. I would never ask pastors to perform a gay marriage. Well, first of all, Mr. President, you have no jurisdiction over what I do in ministry at all. But the mindset is that he does. It's a, it's a ruling and that's the mindset of our society in, in government today, which is why the will of the people is no longer heard. And wait till you hear the writing of the Declaration of Independence in just a few moments. But what I'm saying is that you think it will stop. The next thing that is going to happen, one of the bills that's on the legislative, the two bills that, that are in your state assembly and senate right now, is one that mandates in every public school from preschool through high school, Neutral gender acceptance. That any child that comes to school for any reason that says, I now believe that though I am a boy, I am a girl, and I want to be in the girls' locker room with the other girls. I want to take, be in there. I want to use their bathroom. I want to go out for girls' volleyball. This is being voted on in your Senate. And in California, we have a very liberal governor. And we have a completely democratic legislature and senate. They need no vote from a Republican to pass anything they want to put. They have a super majority. Are you listening to me? Which means, say, Pastor, what are you saying? Which means is, I'm just telling you that your day of Christianity has changed. Which means that, that if your children are in public school, if this law passes this fall, when your children go back to school, school could change. The other part is, is on youth organizations accepting uh, and, and redefining how homosexuals are interjected and, and gays and lesbians are interjected into youth organizations such as the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, Boys and Girls Clubs, other things, as well as Christian youth groups and, and different things like that. And eventually, once it gets there, it is not long before it is here in the doors of the church. And what it does to those groups is that if they are nonprofit groups, is it takes away their nonprofit status. And so it will be based upon discrimination. And then the next thing is, is that it is in all likelihood Hawaii passed a law that it is illegal for a church to refuse the use of its building to a gay couple. You don't have to do it, but you cannot deny them the right to rent your building. To have a gay wedding or a lesbian wedding in your facility. That's the law in Hawaii. Hello? And how many know California is a little more liberal than Hawaii? 
Are you listening to what I'm saying? Say, Pastor, what are you trying? I'm just trying to say, wake up and be aware of the day and the hour that you live in. And so for me as your pastor, it is very likely if somebody ever asks me to do, we have it written in our constitution, in our bylaws, is what we believe about marriage between a man and a woman. We believe it enough that we have it in writing, in our document. And that, and so we have our statement in there. And so what I'm saying is that the day, I've said all this because the day of Christianity, the way we've done it, of convenience without conviction, is gone. Hear about, hear this, let me go on. We will no longer be able to wear the testimony of something printed on our shirts that has not been branded upon our hearts. No more Christianese, guys. The day, if you think you're now living in the day in a very short time, that you're living in a day... When you'll be able to wear witness wear, walk into a store. We had it right here in Roseville, a youth pastor for wearing a witnessing t-shirt in the Galleria was ran out of the Galleria because his shirt was offensive to people in the Galleria. Oh, it will never happen here. I'm telling you, it's happening. <coughs> Paul's instruction to Timothy for his day makes, good, makes a, a good pattern for us to follow in ours. We need those who will hold fast to the convictions of their faith and thereby choose to live and even die by them. Too many in and over the course of time have acquiesced and given up the precious ground of truth for the sake of peace with an enemy who will never keep his word. Have you noticed that our president has said, I will do this, I will never do this, and turned right around and did that? But you said you would never do that. But it's, Now listen, do not make this personal. This is not towards anybody. We have people that we know that are in uh, the gay lifestyle and doing that. I am not against people anymore. I have people in this church that sleep together out of wedlock. I have people in this church that shack up together, still come to church, give offerings here, raise their hands and praise the Lord together. If you have faith enough to do that, God bless you. But the Bible says we're not supposed to fornicate, we're not supposed to be, that God sanctified the marriage bed. Are you listening to me? And at the sake, well, you're going to make people mad, run people off. Hey, okay, I won't say anything. Everything's okay, guys. Do whatever you want. Lying, backbiting, murmuring. If you're a liar, a backbiter, a murmurer, a covetous person, come on, you need to repent. Sin is sin. So it's not an issue about a person more than anything else. But we are not having liar pride parades. We are not a having adulterous day out parades. If you're in adultery, come march with us. Hey! Wear your infidelity proudly. <coughs> Amen? It's not being for. It's not redefining. We're not telling our children. We're not teaching. They're not in our schools teaching our children. It's okay to lie. We're doing all right. You were born a liar. Nothing you can do about. That's your orientation. You'll be a liar all your life. Are you with me this morning? All right. Doesn't matter. I'm weighing over my head anyway. I'm trying. Stay with me. Hear me. Hear me this morning. There is no compromise with sin and hell that will satisfy their desire and stem the tide of their advance. 
So it is imperative that we stand for truth and live by the power of God's grace in our lives that will enable us to resist the lie and live for the truth. When we forsake the truth of our foundation as a nation and redefine our morals and governing decisions by abandoning all that is proven to be true and right under the banner of equality, non-discrimination, social justice, and the pursuit of happiness, then we have left the sure foundation of true morality and are now building upon the quicksand of deception. Say, Pastor, where do you get that? That in that day that they are deceived and being deceived, Paul said. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, which is where we are today. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11 says, Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Yet the church today has sought to find a softer, more palatable approach to the gospel. Our seeker movement for the sake of increased attendance has expanded our numbers but stripped us of our power. We have in turn built a new faith that can be had by convenience without ever having to address the conviction of our sin. Say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Today nobody is a sinner. Because God is love. I, I listened to the debate with, with the gay priest from the, the, the Episcopal Church. And he sat there at Pastor Jim Garland. And he said, I believe that God loves me and God has braced me. And, and God has said to me, you are my, be- my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You are my beloved. Yeah, we are all his son. But love does not condone wrong. We have a misunderstanding of what love is. I love my children. My parents love- When I was a heroin addict, my parents weren't sending me money to buy more drugs. My parents were not condoning. Are you listening? They loved me. They were heartbroken for me. They embraced me. Oh, Donnie, I wish you would change. I wish you would get better. Don't you call me Donnie. But Don, they would say, hey. <laughs> wish you change. We, we'd have, but, but they would not facilitate. They would not send me a happy meal in the pig pen. Because though they loved me, they could not condone or support my behavior. And if I would repent, they would restore me and they would help. And God loves us, but He does not condone all behavior. But we've redefined love as a condoning love. Trying not to make people feel bad about themselves. I said it Tuesday night. When Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water, Jesus didn't come up to him and say, Hey, Peter, that is so awesome you tried. Look at, look at the other guys didn't get out. Sean, Eli stayed in. But you tried. I did. You did. And you walked far. That was cool. You walked this far. Wow. And uh, that's awesome. And I just want to encourage you in your failure that it was almost a success. And I don't want you to feel bad about failing because there really is no failure because I won't let you drown. I'll always be there when you fail, but I don't want to say failure to you because that would hurt your self-image if I told you were a failure and you had no faith. At least you, but at least you got out of the boat. You weren't like the unbelieving others. And so I just want to affirm you in your failure. That's the mentality of our society today. Don't make it come down and affirm everybody. Don't make them feel bad. Make them feel help their self-image, help their self-esteem. Jesus said, Hey, I will meet you by grace and mercy. 
But I'm not going to continually come down to support you in something that pulls me down when my goal is to lift you to where I am. God's goal is not to continually come down to our fear and our unbelief where we are continually living by grace and by mercy. The Bible does not say the just shall live by grace and by mercy. It says the just shall live by faith. He said, Peter, I will save you, but remember, I'm trying to get you to the place where you don't need me to save you every five minutes, where you're not looking for grace and mercy. You have the faith. I'm trying to bring you up to where I am. God did not say to Moses, hey, hang out down there, and I will come down to where you are. God said, Moses, come up a little bit higher. And God's been trying to get the church to come up a little bit higher. Preachers have been trying to preach, and people have been going, well, you should make me feel good about trying. I need to come to church and hear a message that tell me, I feel good because I tried. <laughs> Hello? And, and, and if the pastor says, yes, you did, but where's your faith? Well, now you're making me feel bad. Good! Stir up your faith! Build up your faith. Speak to your mountain. Declare it. The, the disciples said, Lord, look at the tree which you could. Jesus said, hey, have faith in God. And then when you speak, it will obey you. So, Pastor, because of what has happened, the psychology that has come into our church, we're preaching messages of self-esteem. Feel better. Instead of confronting sin, fear, and unbelief. The moment fear comes into your life, faith goes out there. Are you with me this morning? And so I do. And so as a result, watch what's happened. We're being, we want to be so nice that we're being nice with everybody. Have you noticed? It would be nice. Like I said, it would be nice if, say, they just accepted gay marriage. Or they just made concessions for people who love each other. But they're not happy with that. They now say we're coming to your school. And now we're going to teach your children that this is it. And let me just say this. I'm going all in this morning on this issue. Because nobody is saying this today. Nobody. I don't hear preachers saying it. I don't hear anybody on the news. When you tell me that this is about sexual orientation, then sexual orientation means how you're going to do sex. And when you tell me that, then you're telling me that the way that this lifestyle is, that that is natural sex. There's no natural way that two men can have sex together. And I'm not going to be explicit, though I very want to this morning. But nobody wants to do that. And so we, just, we let that go over. And we, there's no natural way for two women to have sex together. Are you listening to me? But we're being told that it is natural. And I agree. Randy and I are friends. And we love each other. And we have a great bond together. But the moment we go from brotherly love. Into inordinate affection. And unnatural desire. And then you're being told it is natural. And to embrace that. Nobody is going to that side of the issue. They're just saying that the two dudes should be able to love each other. Yes, love each other, but don't copulate with each other. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? But we don't go to that issue. I like Lester Summerall did years ago. He invited the guy from, from the gay church in his community, brought him on a television show. He says, hey, you know what? We're glad you're here. You're the head bishop over your organization, Metropolitan Church. We're glad you're here. We have many of our viewers who are just curious. Would you just demonstrate how two men have sex for us today? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm saying that. And, and so, well, no, just go ahead. Everybody's interested, please. We're, we're just curious. Because that's the issue. And you're being told that, and, and Christians are going, I just think it's wonderful that they could love each other. Well, let's redefine. What, are you listening to me this morning? But listen, if you won't take a stand, but on the other side, I applaud with all the courage and the valor and the commitment and the dedication of the gay pride movement. Because they believe in their cause, they're committed to their cause, they live for their cause, they give to their cause, they march for their cause, they speak for their cause, they vote for their cause. And less than 50% of the Christian church even votes. And 100% of the gay community votes. That's why 2% changed our nation. Am I preaching okay this morning? Stay with me. So Paul said that knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. What is the terror of the Lord? Standing to give an account. Paul said on the day when the righteous judge comes. You and I have friends. We will all stand before a righteous judge. Can I read to you Anthony uh, Scalia's descending opinion? How, how come the news hasn't read us the descending opinion? But to defend, this is an excerpt. But to defend traditional marriage is not to condemn, demean, humiliate those who would prefer other arrangements any more than to defend the Constitution of the United States is to condemn, demean, or humiliate other constitutions. To hurl such accusations so casually demeans this institution, the Supreme Court. In the majority's judgment, any resistance to its holding is beyond the pale, reasoned disagreement. To question its high-handed invalidation of a presumptively valid statute is to act, the majority is sure, with the purpose to disparage, injure, degrade, demean, and humiliate our fellow human beings, our fellow citizens who are homosexual. All that simply for supporting an act that did no more than codify an aspect of marriage that had been unquestioned in our society for most of its existence. Indeed, it had been unquestioned in virtually all societies for virtually all of human history. Now, let me just say this. If I go back, I was asked by the Tea Party to come to speak on the separation of church and state July 9th. I'm going to be at youth camp with the kids and I cannot go. But I would love to be there because at the beginning of our nations, pastors preached towards this end in our society. They addressed the issues of our society. They preached about the injustice of a tyrannical rule of a British government. They preached on morality and issues that affected our society. Today we have moved off of that. There's no more preaching like this from our pulpits as a whole. I do not, I do not perceive that we are the only voice. Elijah hid in the cave, said, God, I'm the only one. God said, I have 7,000 who haven't bowed my knee yet. I love Brother Alistair Begg. There's areas that we disagree on, some on doctrinally, but his stand on true biblical preaching and why America is today. He says that we have given up true biblical preaching, therefore we are not piercing the armor of a secular society. Yeah. 
What a great statement. When we back off of preaching the Bible uncompromisingly, not apologizing, but going through the Bible and preaching it expositorily and exegetically with truth and with clarity, glorifying Christ, pointing to God, glorifying God, exalting Christ, and giving knowledge and truth to believers, then that's how you really establish a firm foundation of righteousness in a society. Amen? But we've moved away from that. So this, I like what he said, but this has been held in our society and humanity for all. It is one thing for a society to elect change. It is another for a court of law to impose change by judging those who oppose its hostess humanitarianists, which means the enemies uh, or, or as enemies of the human race. And what that means is that the cow, I had to look that up. That was a cool word. Okay, it was Latin, and it came from the, the, the church, but it was, a, it was held by the Pope of a corporate view of theology, and it said, theologians employed by the church are assistants to teach the official teaching of the church and not their own private thoughts. And when it comes to the court, the courts are there to uphold the laws of the land and not impose their own private thoughts or beliefs. They're not allowed to legislate from the bench. And so Anthony Scalia, very, a very sharp guy, they are free, listen to what he said, it means they are free to exchange in all kinds of empirical research which the church will generously support, but in matters of morality and religion, they are subjected to teaching, to the teaching office and authority of the church or the magistratum. So in other words, when you're there, our judicial system and our judges are to be under the magistrate of our laws and of our constitution. They are not allowed to go out. They can research and they can review all they want, but they're not allowed to leave there. Amen? And let me finish with this. In the more, it is the majority telling this story is black and white. Hate your neighbor or come along with us. The truth is more complicated. It's hard to admit that one's political opponents are not monsters, especially in a struggle like this one. And the challenge in the end proves more than today's court can handle. Too bad. Remember, a reminder that dis disagreement over something so fundamental as marriage can still be politically legitimate and would have been a fit task for what in earlier times was called the judicial temperament. We might have covered ourselves with honor today by promising all sides of this debate that it was theirs to settle and that we would respect their resolution. We might have let the people decide, which the people already have. But the majority will not do so. Some will rejoice in today's decision. Some will despair at it. That is the nature of a controversy that matters so much to so many. But the court has cheated both sides. Robbing the winners of an honest victory and the, listen to this, and the losers of peace that comes from a fair debate. We owed both of them better. I dissent and I applaud his courage. Can you say amen? Yes. Hallelujah. Now let me finish in looking at this with me if you would. Jesus declared in Matthew 9 verses 10 through 13, that he had not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Today nobody is a sinner. We're all just in need of more self-esteem, a better self-image by seeing how much God loves and how willing he is to embrace us where we are. Nobody is lost. They are just in the permissive will of God. Paul's instruction to Timothy are no longer needed in the current climate of our day. 
The need to fully preach the word, to convince, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering are no longer in vogue. In our nation today, not only is there a recession in the economy, but also a decline in real fathers. Our nation is established by founding fathers. Men who laid all they had on the line to provide a future of freedom for their sons and daughters. To them, their future hope was worth the present sacrifice. Founding fathers did more than just give birth to sons. They provided for their future. Founding fathers give life and freedom to sons of liberty. Fathers are providers. Sons are consumers. If sons never grow into fathers, they will live their life consuming the provision of their fathers. They will grow up to despise their fathers and the foundation that their fathers built their lives upon. When sons give birth to sons, there's no longer a generation of providers, only consumers. We have been raised as sons of liberty. Time for us to become the next generation of founding fathers to rebuild restore and replace what has been lost can you say amen? amen freedom is a precious gift it does not matter if it is for a nation or for an individual it does not matter if it is natural or spiritual it is never free even though it is called freedom it does not preserve itself it must be protected and that by a price there's so much that we enjoy today and take for granted yet if not protected and preserved it will all soon pass away we are living in the dream and the vision of those who came before if we desire to pass on this great freedom, we will have to pay the price to preserve it. Could you say amen this morning? We have to pay that price. If you'll please, Stephen, cue that first video and play that first video. Amen? Hallelujah. If you get that second one ready, we'll play it in just a second. Paul's instructions to Timothy came at a time when he knew he would not go free from his prison. He was taking the steps to pass the torch of truth to the next generation. His hope was in the handful of young men that had persevered with him through his trials, had observed the cost, of declaring truth in a world that is bound by sin. 
They had witnessed the reproach that comes for shining light, the light of truth, into the darkness of their day. The signers of our Declaration of Independence knew that it would cost them something to take the stand that they took. Why don't you watch this next video on what happened to them. Amen. How many know when you read the history of the church, there were those who stood for the church and the preservation of the church with the same courage and conviction and the pledge of all they had to it. Let me read this to you. The Declaration of Independence, 1776. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitles them, a, de a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments and institute, are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that, whatever, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and institute new government. Let me just interject here before we say amen. This is the stand that the gay agenda has taken. And they have worked to institute a new government. And the rulings that are being made are against the document that I am reading to you today. And they're throwing this down. And institute a new government. Laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its power in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Is that what just happened? Okay. 
Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And according, all experience has shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. That's the definition of the church. But when that long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same objective evidences evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it's their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, such as is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present king of Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. And they list some of these. One of the things he has said is, He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be attained. And then when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. Our states are being told, you can't have those laws. You can't pass laws. Arizona's immigration law was turned over. Other laws are being turned over in our state by the federal government. The same type of thing is happening. See, the history of man doesn't change. Are you listening to me today? And so the reason I'm sharing this with you this morning is that political freedom, the day that will come when people come in El Dorado County will come and say, can we have a marriage in your church? I will say no. If somebody approaches me, will you marry us? I will say no. And if things are progressing where they are, it could be that as a church, our doors could be shut, our properties could be seized. Or fines could be imposed. Our tax-exempt status can be taken away. All of those things. Amen? As well as that, under the Obama Health Care Act, businesses are being forced that have religious conviction. Businesses like Chick-fil-A that are Christian-owned organizations that are amazing businesses by godly men and women that own these businesses are being told you have to provide health care and you have to provide abortion benefits and, and contraception and all this. No, that's against my convictions as a person who has freedom of religion and freedom of enterprise and freedom of speech in a free country. Under the new law that's being passed, no, you will be fined exorbitantly even to the price of putting you out of business. Are you with me this morning? And we think, well, that won't happen. It is possible that it will. If we think less likely, we are only deceiving ourselves. Hear this about the king. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out of their substance. Does that sound like today? That in our government, in our, all these new offices are being elected and people are going out. Now with the IRS and everything else, anybody feel overtaxed besides me? Eating out of our substance. For imposing taxes on us without our consent, Obamacare was the largest health care, the largest tax upon the American public in history, depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury, for taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the form of our government. That was against the king. I'm telling you, that's happening in our day today. Listen to the end of this declaration. 
In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for readiness in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our immigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured... Uh, conjured them by the ties of our common kindred and disavow, to disavow these usurp, usurpations which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They too have been deaf to the voice of justice and cons- consanguinity which is of the same blood or origin, or of our same origin. We must therefore acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies of war, in war, and in peace, friend. We therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of the right ought to be free and independent states, that they be absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain and, is, and, and, is, and Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. And that as free and independent states, they have pull, full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliance, establish commerce, and do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge together our, to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. How many have ever heard the Declaration of Independence read before? How many have have never heard the Declaration of Independence read or read yourself? Amen. I'm just telling you, we need to know where we are today. Are you doing all right? Let me finish with this. What is the way back? 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. If some of these laws get passed, how appalled will you be? How many have children in public school? Raise your hand real high. Okay. How many have children that may be going into public school? How many like the, the idea of gender neutrality? This is being voted on right here in America today. In California, it, 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 it's a law being introduced. Sure, that you cannot discriminate. Are you with me? So when, and what amazes me is when, to me, I think what happened this week was worse than the terrorist attack of 9-11. Because it was an attack on our freedom from within. It wasn't from outside of our country. It was from within our country. And it's an attack on your freedom on every level. 
And it's a disparaging stand against you. What, what he said is that, what Justice Scalia said, is that it has made you, if you don't agree, it's made you an enemy and opposer of people. And so you've been labeled. It's, it's an amazing thing that's happening. But then I mean, what we do is somehow we wander about our life that if it doesn't personally come to my door, I'm not affected by it yet. So until it shows up in my house or it hits my pocketbook, I'm not concerned about it yet. I think more than 9-11, we thought on, pastors thought on 9-11, people, church, people would turn back to God. I'm amazed when you read the book of Revelation, judgment comes and people get mad at God. Nobody turns to God, everybody gets mad at God. And yet God said, hey, this is what's coming. It will not be a surprise. I will tell you in advance. Paul wrote to Tim and says, hey, this is what's coming. Don't be surprised. And the Bible says, if my people will come and pray. Amen. Play that last clip. If you will. Amen. Let me just say this very clearly. As your pastor, I'm not advocating marches. I'm not advocating anything other than if we... I'm only responsible right here. I have a responsibility to you. I, I will be accountable before God as your pastor. And Josie said what she said. I feel an accountability for God to preach the way I preach. That's the sense of accountability I feel. And so in doing that, but I also feel an accountability to call us into action. The only thing I know to do that if we don't pray, if it doesn't become important to us to pray, if what's happening in our nation does not stir you to a place that you would come and pray. When we call for prayer nationally, it nationally, everywhere you go, when the call goes out to pray. It's the least attended call of all. Amen. But if we don't pray, God said if we would pray, He would hear us. Amen. And I'm just telling you, the attack is not going away. And we're not going to get, we're not going to come up with ideas and do, we're not going to twist things around. I'm just reading you, there was a day that we were under oppression and we rose up to be free as a nation. I'm listening to the political climate of our day. You know what I feel in my heart? This is my personal conviction. I think our current president would love nothing more than to see an outbreak of civil unrest and riot equal to what's going on in the Middle East. In these countries where these coups are taking over in the faction, thereby he could declare martial law. There has to be some reason and some of the things behind this that are initiating such a violent 
an opposing stand amongst the people of this nation. That our government is actually legislating division in our own land. Are, are you getting this? And so at, there's a reason. It, it's interesting to me. Why does Homeland Security want to take away your guns while they're buying tanks? What does Homeland Security need tanks for? We have an army and the Marines and Navy and Air Force. We have big guns. Homeland Security doesn't need to be an independent armed force on our own soil unless it's leading up to a civil unrest. And I'm just saying, guys, some things can get very touchy here before too long. I'm just saying. If you, if, if you think, okay, that's good, they got their freedom, they do this stuff, that's it. If you think that's the end, it isn't. If you think that your support of people in a lifestyle like that or with different opinion, redefining morality and the history of societies from the beginning, if that's the end. Sin, let me just say, there is no compromise with sin in hell that will satisfy or stem the tide of their advance. If you think you can't, we're missing that. And listen, Jesus said, I'm building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Which means that hell seeks to advance. But the church has to rise up and say no. I'm going to say it one more time. This is where I close. The day of you being a convenient Christian without conviction to stand is gone. We may have a few more months. You may have two more years. But there could be a day... There could be a day very easily for saying some of the things that I've said today, though I was disparaging to nobody, I could be told I cannot say that. That I could not preach the gospel when it comes to different issues. And the only issue I cannot preach on would be the issue of homosexuality. I'm sorry, I'm an original intent guy. Okay? These were meant to go on my head. If I stick these anyplace else... It's not according to original intent. Are you with me this morning? And I don't, care how, I don't care how naturally you tell me that feels. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? But in our society, and many of you look at my, is he ever going to stop? Is he ever going to quit? Okay, you think what I'm telling you is hard? You think sitting under this is hard? You think I'm the only one preaching? Or coming after you. See, listen, what you've been told that if I tell you the truth, I'm your enemy. That's why the Bible says, if I tell you the truth, have I become your enemy? If you're getting upset with me today, but you're not upset at what happened this week in your nation, you're scaring the hell out of me. Are you listening to me? Because somewhere, you, you can't get mad at righteousness and truth and just be going, well, that's all, well, uh, hello. All right. Bill, will you come back to the piano?
Fortunately, I'm not afraid to preach myself out of a job because I am a handy guy. I'm not doing this because I don't know how to do anything else. I'm a journey cement finisher by trade, and I am still in my prime. I could get a job tomorrow. I'm serious. So if I had to go to work tomorrow, because everybody, it doesn't bother me. If, but if, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go for preaching truth and for preaching right. If people are going to walk out this door, they're going to walk out because they said, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to be accountable to that. I don't want to have to answer for that. I want to live in my bubble. I want to stick my head in the sand and not believe it's important. I just want to, I, I can't say that. I was going to make a comment about sticking your head in the sand having your rear in the ear today, but I won't say that anymore. Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me. I didn't read that last part about prayer in there. And I pray that you would come out and join us tonight for prayer. Our nation needs your prayers. Our children need your prayers. I have never been so grieved by anything as what happened this week. I have right now three grandchildren. And to think that though my grandsons are going to private school, to think that through the course of this week and what happened, that our government could walk into that private school sanctioned by the laws of our land and be told that they now have to hire homosexual teachers. That they have to teach the homosexual lifestyle. That they have to have gender neutral facilities and allow this to happen on a private facility or else they will lose their ability to exist grieves my heart. And that we are moving to a state church like China a state church preaching the doctrine of the state grieves my heart for the generation we need to pray our children need your prayers our nation needs your prayers Father today we ask for your forgiveness Forgive us, Father, of being satisfied with the faith that is merely convenient. We attend when nothing else is on our schedule. We give when there's nothing else we want. We serve when there's nothing else to do. We speak only when there's no way around it. Father, forgive us of our convenience our complacency our lack of passion and our unwillingness to commit and give and pledge our honor our fortunes and even our lives for the cause of Christ Father today we need your clemency in our lives we need your forgiveness Forgive us, Father. 
Nehemiah prayed and asked for forgiveness of our fathers. Forgive us of buying into the lie that we did. We served long enough. We did this long enough. It's okay. We deserve a break today. And while we're taking breaks and living by convenience, the enemy has advanced and changed the very moral fabric of our nation. Forgive us as your church father. We pray as your people here, but we pray for the church as a whole. Forgive us. Nehemiah prayed for the forgiveness of their fathers. We pray for forgiveness for the church, Father. And those that have moved away, who have sought to speak without saying anything. Forgive us, Father. We need you. We need your forgiveness, your grace in our lives. Stir us back to a place where we will once again, as Paul said, stand. Make full proof of the ministry that has been given to us. Hold on to the word of truth. To convince, reprove, and instruct with all longsuffering in righteousness. Father, we thank you today for your great grace. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you came here today. And you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The whole reason for coming here today is to celebrate the victory that we have in Him. If you came here today and you've been bound by sin, turmoil in your life, you've been on that revolving door pattern of life, you get through to one side only to show up right back where you were. You're frustrated. been trying to do everything you can to get it right never being able to come out on top Jesus said come unto me all you who are burdened and heavy laden I will give you rest come and learn of me his offer to you is come and give you life to him to die to yourself to allow him to raise you in newness of life if you're here today and you need the new life of Jesus Christ that he has for you you're tired of that door you're tired of revolving you're tired of trying never coming to an answer and you know today you need a savior while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you just stand right where you're at? Just stand and say, Jesus, I need your help in my life. I need a Savior. I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy and your grace. I want to be set free from these things that have held hold of my life that I have not had the ability to break free from. I need your grace and your mercy today, Lord. That you just stand. Anybody? If you're here today and you're battling plantar fasciitis, if you're battling fear in areas of finances, health, or your children, if you're having trouble with your gallbladder, or you're battling discouragement, I'm going to invite you to just come out up here right now and stand. I'm ask our leaders to come. We're going to pray. We'll dismiss those that have to go, but we're going to pray for you. If you have a need in any one of those areas, you could come or you need prayer in any area. Would you just stand with me? Hallelujah. If that's you today in any area, it's our leaders come and you need prayer, plantar fasciitis, fear over your finances, health, or your children, trouble with your gallbladder, or discouragement, or any other area that you have, we want to pray with you today. Father, as these come, we thank you for today. I pray over your people. Let them be blessed, Father, in their coming in, blessed in their going out. Watch over them till we gather again and meet again in this place. Father, help us tonight as we come to pray at 6 o'clock. We ask for your leading and guidance of your Holy Spirit.